Okay, so we're starting sheer number eight, page 84. The Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, 84. It says like this. The Gemara in Masechet Rosh Hashanah, if you take a look at the gray, you see it's like art scroll when you have the gray bar. It says like this. The Amarava. If somebody says he's going to give Tzedakah, he has to give, give it right away. Because Aniyam are around. Says the Gemara. Pshita, that's obvious. Says the Gemara. <laughs> Try to say that, it's obvious to people. Maybe it's similar to a Korban. And the korban, if you say, I'm going to give a korban to Hashem, you have until the, 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 the three holidays to pass. Kamashmalan, then the Gemara says, Because the Gemara says over there specifically that giving a korban, balte acher. I'm sorry. Don't delay. That's talking about the korbanot, <coughs> but over here, look, <coughs> it's not that way. The ashkichi on aniim because there are poor people around. So it seems to be from this gemara that once you say you have to give the tzedakah to a poor, you have to give right away, okay? And shulchan aruch in your indeed in siman resh nun zayin says the following: hatzdaka, and this is the language of the Rambam, whose yard site is tonight. Same yard site as? Who? No, that's for tonight. That's this thing. But whose yard site is it tonight, Danny? Come, maybe you should just leave the table or come to my again. Which one? One of them. One of them. Pathetic. Rabbi Yaakov Abu you don't hear the groups. You don't. Th- I don't know what to say. Hatzdaka, hariu bichlala nedarim. Hatzdaka is part of the nedarim. Lefikach. Therefore, haomer hare alay sela litzdaka. If somebody says that I'm giving a coin to tzedaka, oh. Or this coin is tzedaka. You have to give it miyad right away. And if you delayed, you violate the prohibition of delaying. I'm listening. I'm just forwarding this to the group, but I'm listening. Yes. Good question. That's that's what we're speaking about. Exactly what we're speaking about. Let's see. Let's see what, what comes out. Okay, let's see if anybody joins, it'll be our zechut. That what? I could tell you that that's not the case. By pledge also. Now, page 85. That the Shulchan Aruch says, And if there's no Aniyim, so you should put aside until you find Aniyim. So that's the question. I was, recent, I was this Shabbat reading the biography of the Ribnitzer Rebbe, and by him he said something very interesting. He said, he said, money is a very sensitive thing. It's a very sensitive thing. And it, need, it requires clarity. 
And if somebody wouldn't tell him exactly what to do with the money, he wouldn't touch it. I want you to give to that person. He says, oh, I want you to give. To where? Maybe I have this expense, that expense. He wouldn't touch it. Money is sensitive. It's dynamic. Uh, people think, oh, money, then, then it's my interest. Is it his interest? Is it that interest? Very complicated. So he, unless he had clarity, and he would never, once the money came in, oh, out the next day. Out the next day. He always had where to put it. If not, he wouldn't take it. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that over here, if you don't have where to, let's say you want to keep it in your Tzedakah account, I don't know, let's see. Over here it says, if, if they're not there right away, they're not. So first of all, it's very important, says the, says the, Mishta, says the Rama like this. When people donate in the Bet Knesset to give to the Gabai, or other tzedakah to give to the Gabai, he doesn't violate it, even though there are Aniyam around, unless the Aniyam asked the Gabai. And then... Then he violates it. But if you're giving it to an organization that gives out tzedakah, so you don't have to give right away. That's the answer to your question, Mr. Pejman. I'm sorry, Payman. If it's not the derech to give to the aniyam right away, so you're also not going to violate it in that in that in that in that vein. So that's actually a very critical halacha that uh, saves our behind. Why? Why Yom Kippur? Three, three regalim is Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. Right? Not, not Yom Kippur. I guess so. Uh, that's Korbanot. Three regalim from wherever you start, no? From wherever you start. But over here also, I don't think we have anything to do with it. Where do you see Gimel regalim over here? So what's the time limit? Not sure. I've always heard by the post-gim that they say every year you should make sure, every fiscal year you should make sure to empty your tzedakah accounts to start it. But I don't think that's like um, an obligation. For example, let's say, let's say you, you, um, you want to have, a, a, you, you see that your son has potential of, uh, of starting a yeshiva. So you want to start money aside for his yeshiva. So you can't do that over a few years? I think you could. Designated for a yeshiva. Or something like that. Support your son-in-law, Bizet Hashem. You have son-in-laws who are sitting in Kolel. Maybe that's what you want to. That's what you want to know. You know, interesting. Okay. <coughs> Page. Uh, let, let's go to Masechet Shavuot. The Gemara says like this. Made as the Gemara, it says in one pasuk that you should watch whatever your your lips, uh, whatever your lips. No, Rabbi, are you doing? Good to see you there. It says that you should you should keep whatever your lips say. Let's say you only thought in your heart, I'm going to give tzedakah. Gabar belibo minayin. This is the Gemara. Talmud lomar kol nediv lev. Any anybody who has in his heart. So here we have a new concept regarding tzedakah. Even if you in your heart you want to give, it's already an obligation. No, but it's binding. It's binding. Oh, 
but that's very dangerous. That's a very dangerous thing. If you think you're going to get to that, what does that mean? Yeah. So the Gemara says maybe by every type of commitment that that applies, says the Gemara, no. No, only regarding giving tithes and korbanot, but not everywhere else. So let's see, let's see how the the, the Rambam, who's uh, as we mentioned is Ilulais tonight, the Rambam in the Laws of Mechira, chapter twenty-two, halacha fifteen, Din Hegdesh ve'Din Aniim. So, consecrating something to the Beta Migdash, or for poor people, or all types of pledges, is not like is not like a regular business transaction. Shidu Amar Adam, because if a person said, Kol if a person said whatever whatever my animal is going to give birth. Or, or I'm not going to be able to benefit from it. He makes it a, a nether against him. Or, in, or I'm going to give it to tzedakah. Even though it's not right away consecrated, because it's not in the world, but he has to fulfill what he said. So this is an exception. Even though you don't have the money, you say, when I have money, I'm going to give that money. You have a nether already. That's called a nether, which is an exception. Because usually in the laws of transactions, something that is not in the world has no binding significance to it. Davr Olam, it's called. Davr Olam is the famous question, why Yaakov Avinu was able to sell his inheritance portion to Esav. It's a Davr Olam, the famous question of the Choshen. It's not something in the world. How is he able to sell it? So there are many, many, many answers to it. But the simple answer... Is, is, is the simple the simple concept is binding? You can't sell something that's not in the world, but over here it is binding. That's the that's the chidush. Okay, let's continue. In Siman Reshud Bet. Right. So then, that's that. I think we're going to learn that it has to be an absolute in your mind conviction like that. And you should always make disclaimers in your mind unless I fully, fully... Whatever, I tell people like this, that whenever you have poor people that are coming around in the synagogue, never take out your money and say, okay, I'm going to give it to him. Because what happens is, is if he turns around and leaves the shul, you're up the creek. So what you have to do is like this. You have to say, you have to make disclaimers that I am not making a nether of giving this person until it reaches his hand. You disclaimer in your mind. I'm never giving this unless it reach, I'll, I'll try to give him. But what happens if he leaves the shul? Then I have a net there. So you have to be careful on that. This is all in your mind. Even if it's in your mind, it's a problem. Oh, if you do it in your mind, I guess that's okay. Also, it's better to speak so it you out. Said once no, I'm saying I would never. Yeah, yeah. I would never right. speak out and say I'm giving this to him. Like I wouldn't say that. Say. No, no. You should say it once. You say I should. You should. Anytime there's somebody in the synagogue that I take out a dollar bill to give to him, that doesn't mean that I obligated myself in the laws of vows to give it to him until it reaches his hands. And you say that once for all time, you're saying? Or I, I guess once for all time is okay. In the laws of Ilchotzitzit, we talk about making a tanai, a condition, and there it seems to be that you say it once at the beginning, it helps for a long time. Uh, yeah, I guess so. So in this situation, I was at a sandwich in my that's why we're learning today to, 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 to make sure that these problems don't come up. It's exactly the subject. Nidarim uh, is it's it's just, it's it's an important thing. It's an important thing. Okay, so let's look in the laws of Choshen Mishpat. Siman Resh Yud Bet. Din Hegdesh, the laws of Hegdesh. Vedina Anim and the laws of poor people and the laws of Nidarim are not like a simple person the way he makes a transaction and basically he codifies what the Rambam uh, what the Rambam said. In other words, Maradam, if a person said whatever a culture to let be empty, yeah, Hegdesh Lebedega Baidu, Yasur Lahud and it's Dakaf, Albishan with Kadesh, 
שבעולם, הרי זה חייב לקיים דבר לא שלם, אבל זה מפיו יעשה. If a person, even though he said, I'm not going to give my animal to tzedakah, I'm, not go, uh, I'm going to give my, whatever's going to be born to tzedakah, even though you can't legally transfer such things, but he has to give it when it's born. שנאמר כל עשו ביב יעשה. והדבר כן, אם ציווה אדם כשהוא שכיב מעבר כל מה שיוציא אילן זה לעניים, או זכר בית זה לעניים, זכו בהם עניים. When a person is in a sick bed, in his death bed, And we're Moroccans. We don't say that word so often. We're careful. So, 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 so what we say is that, so, whenever a person says, I want to give this, so it's binding. Certain things are binding. Even though, even though usually it's not around, but by a, by a, a person is on his deathbed, whatever he says is more binding. Okay. Then the, then the, the, the Ramah brings... The opinion of the Ra'avad that an item that can't be owned by the recipient is only, is only binding if you articulate it as a promise to give it. So that helps us out also in your sandwich case, right? If he said it in this type of language, says the, says the Ramah based on the Ra'avad, when it's going to give birth in other words when I get this money when he's much more specific then he's up the creek okay so that's an opinion definitely to rely on to be uh, to be more lenient and then the Shulchan Aruch says in um, in, in, in look at page 92 if somebody bought land in order so that it should go to Tzedakah Very interesting. You, if a person bought a car, he said, I'm, give, I'm buying it for the shul. Can't change his mind. Because he thought in his mind to give it. And some say, even though it's written, we don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't obligate him. So there are lenient opinions over here that we haven't learned together. But there are lenient, uh, there are lenient opinions, and the, the Shulchan Aruch says, "Va'idna kol egdesh shedin chulin shein egdesh atal b'dagabayit en la'tzedaka ilkach kol shelotzi piv enoklum." So the Shulchan Aruch says, nowadays the tzedaka is not really literally like going to the Beit Hamikdash; it's not consecrated, so you could be lenient. But the Ramah says, "No way, you should be machmir." So it's a machlok. The Shulchan Aruch is more lenient if you didn't speak it out fully, but the Ramah is more machmir. So that's important. So even though the Gemara says making a mental commitment is an obligation, Shulchan Aruch brings the opinion that that's only in the time of the Beit Hamikdash that way. But now, uh, now, now, now we're more lenient. What, what, Sparring like the Shulchan Aruch would be make here, Much more to be lenient with Sfardim, there's more to work with. But you shouldn't get into this machlokit in the first place. It's an easy thing to get out of. It's an easy thing to do. Why, why get into problems in the first place? Yei Now, Rabbi Bloy, in, in his Sefer Tzedakah O Mishpat, some say, Even if he didn't speak out the neder, and he thought in his mind to get Tzedakah, he has to give. Okay, that's the opinion that we mentioned from the Ramah. Magen Avram brings it down as well. Wait, but he says like this. No, that's not true. Auction if, I, if I'm going to win it. If I'm going to win it, yeah. No, that I think even according to the Ramah, it's okay. Rav Bloy suggests also, look at the bottom, he's going to explain it over here, that it's only if you have a firm commitment. In other words, there are opinions even in the Ramah that it's called a commitment only if you said I'm going to give. You didn't say how much, but you said you're going to give. So that how much you have in your mind, that's binding. 
But if you didn't speak at all anything, even according to the Ramah, you might be lenient. So it has to be a real, real uh, concrete thought. And even if you thought during during the auctioning, oh, oh, I want I want to bid uh, uh, ten thousand dollars, and then the guy just said one, two, three, and like you lost it. That's also not committing because you just said I want to bid, but you didn't bid it. You're thinking that you're gonna say it. So so listen to this. The Erech Shai says, look at the second column, page ninety three. Erech Shai writes, I'm, I'm reading in Hebrew. If he said, I'm going to speak it out, it's not made English until it actually comes out of his mouth. Right. So, I'm just saying it's important to stay away from it, but if you have a halachic question, ask your local Orthodox rabbi. Where you could be lean and where you can't. How do you, how do you do it? You don't, you like, think what? What do you think? Bli neder. Always thinking bli neder. your mind bli That's the favorite Persian word. Bli neder. It's not Hashem. We don't, we don't want to give. It's not Hashem. No, because there's a big thing you should know I've seen. An Ashkenazi who I ask him, uh, can you donate to the call a thousand dollars? He'll say bli neder. That means you're getting the check the next day. But a Persian, you ask him, they're polite. They don't want to say no to you. As you know, they say no to you. They're polite. So, so they, they, say, they don't want to say no to the rabbi. They say, that means no. That means no, you're not getting anything. That is worse. That means maybe one day. But neder is no. I'm not correct or I'm not right. I don't know what Moroccans, how do Moroccans, when they say neder? I'm not really sure. They don't really say neder as much. Okay, either way, it's interesting uh, cultural, dis- uh, uh, cultural uh, discussion. Next, um, page 94, the Ramah writes like this. An asmachta is an exaggeration. This is why, by the way, Sephardim have a big problem when they gamble with other Jews. I'm not talking about gambling, addiction and everything, that's, that's another thing. But if I right now tell Danny, I bet you a thousand dollars the Lakers will win tonight. I don't know if they're playing tonight or not. I say I bet you a thousand dollars, and he says, Oh, I bet you thousand dollars also. Halachically, our discussion is non-binding. If we were Ashkenazi, if his name was Zaginovich and my name is Lebrovich, it is binding because it's an asmachta. It's called. It's an exaggeration. The Rama holds exaggeration is a Kenyan. Shulchan holds it's not a Kenyan. Because I, the Shulchan says, when I say $1,000, I didn't put the money on the table. I thought I was for sure going to win because I thought the Lakers are really good. So I never really was serious enough in my mind to really commit myself to that money. And therefore, according to the Shulchan gambling is not allowed unless you put the money on the table and if not, it's stealing. That means, unless we both put $1,000 on the table, it's stealing. If he wins and he takes my money, stolen money. If you put money on the table, it's okay? Yeah. The poker's okay? If it's money. I, I didn't say it's okay if you're not allowed to make yourself used to it. I'm, as, I'm, t- I'm talking if it's gezel or not. According to the Sephardim, playing with other Jews without putting money on the table is gezel. According to the Ramah, it's not gezel. So that's asmachta. Why? Because it's asmachta. Right? So here, the Shulchan this is this is the Shulchan This is where he talks about it. It's even Rish Zayin. But the Ramah talks about like this. People say, oh, I love being Sephardi. Oh, I tell you all the halachot of Sephardi. Nirali. Ve'im neder tzedakah. Let's say you make an exaggeration. Say a thousand dollars I'm giving to the shul just because you want to be, uh, you know, you want to show your largest. That is binding. That is binding. That is binding. The Rama says. I mean, is it is what? Someone's ego is not the problem of the halacha. 
No, it's it, no, because usually you say exaggeration, you don't mean it, because why should you give money to that person? But we tell ourselves you'd always want to give money to tzedakah. I think that's the svarah. Okay, now, if we go further, and we say, what happens if you say you're going to give tzedakah to one shul, and then you find out it's a sketchy shul, you'd rather give it somewhere else. Are you allowed to switch and divert your money to somewhere else? So there's a Gemara about this in Masichet Arachin. Davava Mudalif, page 95. It says like this. Tanura, very famous, famous Gemara. Tanura Bana and You say, I'm giving this coin to Tzedakah. If it didn't get to the Gabai, you're allowed to change it. Once it came to the Gabai, you're not allowed to change your mind where it goes. Says the Gemara, Aini, that's not true. Page 96. Ravyanai Yazifupara. Ravyanai would always, um, would, would always, uh, would always, um, <laughs> would always like take the money for himself and then pay it back so you see that you're not you're allowed to change where the designation because Rav Yanai decided to take for himself sometimes and then he would replenish the money so the Gemara Rav Yanai was an exception the Aniyam were okay with what he was doing because they always knew that he would have tzedakah enough for them. So it was like, it was in their mind. So the Tosfot says over there, in the name of Rabbeinu Baruch, that you're allowed, you're allowed to change the designation to somewhere else. Right? You're allowed to change it, the Gemara says. So Rabbeinu Baruch says that you're allowed to change the designation to somewhere else. No, for a good for a good reason, but that's only until it got to the gabai. But what happens if you said you're going to give it to this poor person, one of the great famous Sephardic acharonim, Rav Ephraim Navon, the Machne Ephraim from Turkey. He has a teshuva about this in Machne Ephraim. Siman Vav, and he says like this: If money mishiniten matan leani ayudea hayadua yacholish notoli nalini acher. He says it's a big machloket. Because then you're giving specifically to an ani. It's not going to the gabai. Only when it's in a general tzedakah, you could say, okay, I thought in mind to give this one, I could change that one. But you thought I'm going to give to Mr. Cohen, you can't give it to Mr. Levy. Could you, what does it mean in the English translation here about he may temporarily borrow? I'm not following that part. Well, that's what Rav Yanai did. He temporarily borrowed. But it's talking about changing your mind as to who the recipient is. They talk about borrowing. The yeah, because it's the same thing. Using it for something else. So you're borrowing the charity money instead of giving it to the original. Sometimes you're allowed to do that. I heard Rev Kushner say, for example, he said that if you, if you like, have a tzedakah account, let's say you're you're not able, to, you you yourself need money tzedakah. But I know people like that. They mamash have no money, but they still give maaser. Amazing to see and. Uh, they would be even more poor if they didn't have and if they and and he says like this that so let's say you have a thousand dollars so you want to give it out this month you don't even have money for your milk you're allowed to take and give yourself that tzedakah money for that time as long as you you say that's what you're going to do originally I mean, Hashem, in the future months you'll have if you have no choice you're also a tzedakah case you're allowed to do that if you qualify as a nani. No, if you qualify, it's not borrowing. It's using your tzedakah money. You're not chayev in maaser. So you're saying, I'm giving it bli neder, and in cases when I'm stuck, I, 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 when I have no choice. So, if you pledge to give money to a very Israeli shul, you change your mind, you're going to give the money to a Levar shul. Can you do that? I pledge, I, I pledge so what does it say? What does it say over here? Until I get to the Gabai. Yeah, but you said directly to his shul. So you can't change that. I didn't give him money yet. 
Yeah, but that's what the Machne Ephraim says. A poor person is a specification. Over here, you didn't, you didn't, you said a general. You said in a general sense, that's why you could change the direction. But when you said specifically to Rabbi Israeli, so that you should go there. I think that's what comes out. That's fine. That makes no difference. That makes no difference. That's only if the tzedaka is still in his hand. Then it doesn't work. So that's the, exactly what we spoke beforehand. Oh, so Rabbi, oh, there you go. Exactly, it's, it's exactly, it's like a specific ani. And it's like the ani I ear got it. And according to those that you can't change from one ani to the other, you, you're not allowed. And that's the opinion of the Machin Ephraim. That's what the Maritat says, Chikrei Leib. For sure, from a yeshiva to a, for, to a orphanage or the like, you can't. Yeah, for yeshiva to yeshiva, maybe, but even that not. If there's corruption, I'm not sure. If is it? Are they still? Why is it corruption? Because in your mind, you don't like their president, or they're not at stuck organization. If they're not at stuck organization, maybe it was a mekachtaut. But it's just because you don't like what they're doing, but you are no there for them. Don't know if you're allowed to do that. The sheet you can't change, you can't change though. If one sheet that is He's Maram is that way. Let's read further. Wow. Near the Avon sheet, Pishi with us, Kim Dinamam and Kabiko Lefimash Leti, near the Kabaskish and the Shanot Mossad. So he said, and he, he, he says that in a specific case it would be allowed. What would it, would it be a specific case? Let's say, let's say a, a guy comes and he says, I'm collecting for, I'm collecting for um, an orphanage in Israel that they help, that they help lone soldiers, something like that, okay? So you say, oh, I love lone soldier type of things. So you, a thousand dollars. Now the guy says, you know what? I have an organization that does the exact same for lone soldiers that helps 10 times more. And I know that that's the guy, what he wanted. Then maybe you have more of a question. Because you know that's what the guy wanted. He said this organization because that's what he understood. What. But let's say you're able to like magnify that money to what he wanted in a, in a logical way that that's really what he wanted. Then it's more of a question that you might be able to do that. And he brings a case of the Marsham that they wanted to give to a Talmud Torah in Saloniki. Right? And instead of giving to a specific yeshiva in Hebron, the yeshiva, they gave money for a yeshiva in Hebron, yeshiva Hebron closed down. Can you take that money and give it to a Talmud Torah in Saloniki? So it's a good question. Saloniki is a chutzlar, it's maybe not. So on the other hand, or you have to return the money. What do you do? So, so the Marasham says, that the Talmud Torah in Saloniki, you get so much more zichuyot. The guy just wanted to give money to support Torah. Interesting, right? And usually, uh, the tzedakah will go to the next to the to the inheritors of Yeshiva of Hebron, but there is no inheritors. the The five hundred one c three folded. So what do you do? That's a question. I mean, you know what? It's a big question in Pico Boulevard. Let's say people they buy synagogues rabbis they buy synagogues and everything and then they close down they want to go to Israel they want to sell the, the thing and they want to live quietly are they allowed? what do you mean? it's the Dhaka money that was given or they say no they were giving to me personally and uh, it's my money it's a question but a lot of times when people give to rabbis they're giving to them so maybe the guy in the shul thinks it's his shul, he's allowed. It's like he's the rabbi. This is where you can end up in Dine Torah with very ugly Dine Torah. Very ugly Dine Torah. Okay. 
But I'll just, uh, now we understand, now we're educated in understanding what's the sugya. We see the Gemaras, we see this, we see that. Okay, let's continue. He cleans the coffee cups like I do. Because so, like, Adam doesn't come during the week, yeah. I guess my question is, like, in that situation, I don't know, I mean, you, you said earlier we have to check to make sure everything is, like, it's going to the right place. Yes. Like, you have to trust the rabbi. I should ask you, like, there's a set side. There's a board. There's a board. Uh, there's a treasurer. There's, like, 20 checks. There are advantages and disadvantages to each one. My opinion is by Sephardim, boards don't work well. I'm, I'm no gear, but I've seen it. Many Ashkenazim also. It, it, they, it's, it could work out, but sometimes it does work well. It, it matters who the board is. It matters who the congregation is. It matters who the rabbi is. It's, it's, it's dynamic. I, I can tell you that in like the older generation, uh, by Sephardim, boards are very emotional and... Wants yeah, it's just like it's just like it gets very complicated. You have one, uh, but I can tell you personally in my shul, there are most people there. Adam, you'll correct me if I'm wrong. They don't want to make the decisions. They want the rabbi to make the decisions. They want to work and make a living and come pray and leave me alone. This is my haven. I don't want to come in to start having to like arbitrate fights and and who's president and elect. Yeah, I, I you should know. In one of the synagogues in Montreal, I'm getting videos of debates of the pre- people who are running for president of the synagogue, like Trump debates. No, a good thing, like, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do. I wish I had that in L.A., at least the people are passionate enough to have that. So there's advantages, but it comes with the package, you know, so it's complicated. You want me to solve to you the world of shuls in, in, on, on one foot? Each place should decide what to do. Rabbi Dotan, what does Rabbi Gabai do? Does he have a board and doesn't get involved with anything? <laughs> no, nobody touches him. He does everything. Yeah, I know that. That's what I was asking sarcastically. Okay. Now, let's continue. Page 99. If an Ani and Staka are, are connected to Makir Kuno, let's just read the English on the bottom. The Bit Shlomo, who is one of the great poskim in Europe, compares tzedakah to the laws of priestly gifts, where one is not supposed to change his habit in giving specific beneficiaries. This is actually very irrelevant. The guy comes to you with a check, he says, oh, you gave me last year. So what did I give you last year? I want to give it to somebody else. No, he has a point. Likewise, one who gives regularly to specific cause or causes should not change unnecessarily. If he doesn't like what they're doing or he feels that they were not correct in their tzedakah causes, like people decide to overcharge your credit card sometimes without permission, right, Mr. Gaplin? And he knows what I'm talking about. Raven Gazowski disagrees, claiming that even with regards to priestly gifts, the rule only applies after it has been set aside. Whereas when first choosing to give tzedakah, one should be able to give to whoever he prefers. Okay? And the Shulchan Aruch in, in Hilchot Tzedakah, in Siman Reish and Gimel, says that what happens... That this is very common as well, that funds were given for a specific group or specific purpose. And there's left over. So they're allowed to keep the leftover even if they fulfilled the need already, but it's extra tzedakah. But it should be used for a similar cause. It shouldn't be used like you're collecting for widows and orphans, and a specific widow and orphan, and you collect the ten percent more. Give that to other widows and orphans. Don't give that to a yeshiva, for example. Or the opposite. That's... Then what happens is... Or, let's say you say, I'm raising money because this person needs a new kidney and we need $100,000. Everybody puts in $100,000. Then the patient died. Then the right thing to do is to return the money. Because the donors didn't want to give it to just anything. They wanted to save this guy's life. Then that money should be returned. Okay? Now, furthermore, when you have a large tzedakah uh, campaign, look at Rav Bloy, how he's going to discuss it. Ubedin Avad, page 101. 
דין הוועדים המוקימים זמנים שעושים מגבית חרום לעזרת אלמנות יתומים, לצאת הם בקמפיין פר אלמנה יתומים, they should already say in their ad that it's based upon the direction of this rabbi or this board, then a person, if they're going to have extra or some situation is going to happen, but you gave it because you were relying that this rabbi is going to know what to do and whatever his judgment is. And then if there's like extra or they found out that somebody decided to cover them a million dollars anyways, so they'll know, you know what, they don't need two million dollars, we're going to divert it to other aniyim. That's okay. And sometimes these rabbanim will decide, you know what, people gave monthly and we collected enough money for these people, they're going to stop the monthly. They're going to say, these people don't have to give monthly anymore. So that's, when you do it, I'll dot rabbanim. There's no rabbi ever. What? There's no rabbi ever. No, you should know <laughs> that, the, you know, the Vadat Zdakot of, uh, of Israel, you know, the, the one that they do, you see all these ads. So the rabbi in charge that they go ask him the halachic questions is my rav, his name is Rabbi Israel Orbach. The son-in-law of Rabbi Yashiv, the son of 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 of, of, of Rishon Mazam. He unfortunately has no children. He also has no personal expenses. To a point that for a Hanukkah present, we bought his rabbanit, rabbanit uh, Orbach, who was the daughter of Rabbi Yashiv. We bought her a microwave. They didn't own a microwave, and she would always keep the food of Rabbi Israel on the plata for him to eat when he came home because she would always go to her father's house, Rabbi Yashiv, to cook for him. Because he didn't have his wife was nifter already, so he so his food was like get burnt on the platas. So we told him, listen, there's such a thing called a microwave. Doesn't cost that much money. They wouldn't use it. it was all these new stuff. This he lived simply with a table. This he had no expenses of his own. For him, money meant nothing. So he was the head of Arad Zdakot. He was very. I remember the questions coming to him. Very scrupulous on if this money is given. So, it can't be used for that one. And too much money, we stop it. it, it they, you know, you have to know who, but tzedakah organizations should have somebody with great integrity in its head so that we, as Klau Yisrael, should be encouraged to get tzedakah with a peace of mind. And honestly, if you feel that these people are not scrupulous, so maybe, maybe give your tzedakah money somewhere else. Well, if it's a question of not scrupulous, but rather... That's part of it. You think they're not managing it correctly? That's crazy. That's ridiculous. No, it's not. A tzedakah organization should not be making more than an average salary. Shlomo Miller said, if you are going to have those that they make exceeding amount, it's not correct. It's not correct. Raise more money. At a certain point, it becomes ridiculous. At a certain point, it becomes ridiculous. Nine hundred thousand dollars. Really? Really? Oh, that is. Now should become a CEO. It's ridiculous. So you know what? Not for Tzedaka. A principal of a school is not salary. It's not a salary. What do you mean? Half a million dollars is normal for a salary for a principal now. So he just went down from 900 to yeah, 500. Yeah, no principal. Big, two, big school is probably bigger. It's not true. Uh, even so, a school is not the same thing as a tzedakah organization. If you pay half a million dollars more, you get half School is more of a business. I, I don't agree with you. A school has to run a certain way according to what they'll get the talent. But you have a, a, a Jewish free loan fund. You should be, the CEO should be getting a million dollars a year. That's ridiculous. That's a big organization, let's say. It's ridiculous. Then they're not managing it correctly. That's ridiculous. I have more talent. Okay, at a certain point, it gets a little ridiculous. But you're, I, I know the question. The question is, is that, let's say, Yeshiva University, they want to get a competitive donor that's going to bring in billions of dollars of endowments because now nobody wants to give to Harvard and nobody wants to give to Yale. Maybe. Maybe there. But like at a certain point, you're getting into murky waters. Okay, let's continue. Um, let's fin- finish up over here. <coughs> what happens, and this is a very big problem that I have, is that let's say I'm given tzedakah and chas v'shalom, I lose it. That's a horrible situation. I hate, from now, I don't accept checks almost. I put them right in the box 
or I say Venmo, Zelle, this, that, but don't give it to me because if I lose it, then it's, it's a problem. So it's good to check at least didn't come out of their account, but they have a nether still. It, it gets complicated, but if I have cash, oh, I hate it. That was the story in the Gemara Masechet Makot that Rav Hananya, that, 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 that he had a lot of money left over and he didn't know what to do with it. Oh, he wasn't sure if it was Tzedakah money or, or his own money, so he gave it all to Tzedakah. The Rambam says that's one mitzvah he knew he did it in purity, and that's what he was going to go to Gan Eden for, and that's how he explains the Mishnah of Hanani Ben He gave them a lot of mitzvot, so one mitzvah should be done in the Shem Shamayim. So that, it's going on that. So if Tzedakah funds are lost or stolen, even as a result of negligence, the trustee cannot be held liable in the eyes of heaven. However, a private individual that was temporarily entrusted with Tzedakah funds, so that's already different. So Gabay Tzedakah, we exempt him. Because we know that it's al-datkin, sometimes it happens. The Torah didn't obligate him, so at least that much. And if we continue in page, uh, in page 104, Pitchachuva rules that if you set aside your own ma'asir, even if you use those funds to buy merchandise on behalf of a pauper, if they, if they was lost or stolen, you're not liable. But if you use those funds for yourself, and only dedicate, decide to repay the later with Maaser for the merchandise which was lost or stolen, you're at least liable in the eye in the, in the Medina Shemaim. For example, you decided to take some of the Maaser money for yourself. And then you say, you know what? I have merchandise that I want to give now to, to pay back. And that merchandise got lost, then it's a problem. So you already bought it for yourself. And now it's your liability. And the Khatam Sofer, page 105 says, let's look at the English. If one uses... Damage or damages his own maaser funds, you must repay them to the maaser because maaser isn't intrinsic to those specific funds. So let's say you decided to invest your maaser and 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 you lost some of it. So then, it depends if it's like fully fully tzedakah and you're trying to manage a tzedakah fund. So then you're not liable. But if you said, no, I'm going to use it for myself, make myself money, and then pay back the maaser, I have a million dollars in my tzedakah fund. I want to make more money for myself. So I'm borrowing from the tzedakah fund a million dollars. I have this great deal that my friend says I'm going to get 50% from. Huh? You always have to be careful when it's more than 10 or 13%. You're investing, you have to be very careful. You, lo you lose the money. Uh, then I'm sorry, maaser shouldn't lose out. You have to pay back Maaser a million dollars. But if you're trying to make money for Aniyim, then that's when you wouldn't be liable. Okay, so that's more or less the, uh, let's look at, uh, let's let's wrap this all up in page 107. Um, let, let's read, let's start reading. Tomer, you read the, fr the, the, the first column. Go for it. In the time of the base of Mikdash, the person vows to bring the karma to the subject of prohibition of Baal Tucker. Okay. <coughs> yeah. He was obligated to bring the korban with haste and without procrastination. The Gemara says that the time frame of this prohibition is that the person has three <coughs> regalim to bring the korban, meaning they may not allow three holidays to pass without bringing it. I think that's what we were talking about in the beginning. Right. That's the korban. Should I keep going? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Post can compare tzedakah to the korban in this regard and say that it is also subject to a prohibition of Baal Tucker but without the extension of three regalim. Therefore, if one pledged money to tzedakah and there are paupers around, he must dis uh, disperse it immediately. As we mentioned with Maaser, however, an individual can set up his own schedule of when to give Maaser. For some of it convenient to give, oh, for some it is convenient to give it in each paycheck. For others, giving once every month, once every six months, or once a year may be more convenient and every individual can set up a time frame that works best for him. Once the Meister money has been separated, it should be distributed to a timely fashion. If a collector asks him for a donation for himself and he has Meister money ready to be distributed, it is possible that he has an obligation of tzedakah. Independent of the obligation of Meister to give the man a donation on the spot. Okay, Leo, continue reading. Okay, so if when As once, we have said. Uh, as... As we have said, every individual has the right to use his personal Meister money for whatever good cause he wants to support. While he may give out the money right away, if he prefers to give it as a monthly check over the course of a certain number of months, he certainly has a, a right to do so. 
Once someone has separated his master money, it is advisable to place his money in a separate account to make sure it doesn't get mixed up with the rest of his money and doesn't get end up getting lost or forgotten about. Okay. The obli- so when one separates crops to be distributed as ma'aser and the produce now becomes sanctified and must be given to their levy. When one separates money from ma'aser, kisafim, however, it is quite different. No specific money becomes sanctified. No specific dollar must be given to charity. Instead, there is an obligation on the person to give that amount of money to tzedakah. In the yeshiva, in, in the yeshivish parlance, it is said that the obligation of master is a chiyuv on the gavra, not a chiyuv on the chavta. On the object. On the object, yeah. Go ahead. It is a personal obligation on the individual rather than an obligation on the money. The distinction has a number of halakhic ramifications. The Gemara says that one cannot take master tivua from a davar shalobala ulam. One's crops cannot be separated as master before they grow because they do not exist yet. When it comes to master kasafim, however, many poets can say that one can donate money that he has not earned yet. If someone makes a donation to charity and says the funds should count towards master of money, he will earn it next year. Many poets can say that such a condition is valid. The reason for this is because master kasafim is an obligation on the person, not on the money. Therefore, it makes no difference if the earnings exist yet or not. There's also discussion in the postgame regarding whether one who pledges to give master money to one specific cause may change his mind and decide to give the money to a different cause instead. While there's a halakha of Hatar Sidorim, it's possible to annul vows. The general custom is not to do Hatar Sidorim for promises given, given, uh, to give money to Staka. It's better not to. That, right. You see that? That's an important detail over here. Better not to give a darim. Better not to give promises. In other words, better not to do a darim if you don't have to. One reason that it may be possible to change one's mind when it comes to master money is because the obligation is on the person, not on the money. The pledge does not obligate any specific money to be given to the cause. It is possible to post it. The individual has the right to change his mind and give his master elsewhere. The Machane Ephraim ruled that if someone merely pledged to give the money, he can give it, he can back out and give it to a different cause. But if he already placed the money in a trust for that cause, it can be said that the specific money in that trust account has, transfor- has transferred ownership and now belongs to the charity, which would mean that the donor can no longer change his mind. This situation played out in a story where a wealthy man pledged to donate a very large amount of money to build a wing in a cancer research hospital. Sadly, the man passed away before giving over the money. His children decided that, his, that as his heirs, they would prefer to donate the money to support Torah study. Wow. They reasoned that because Torah study protects the world from illness, as the Chovetz Chaim and many other Gedolei Yisrael expressed, it is therefore a preferable way to use the money. According to the Machane Ephraim's ruling, if the father had only pledged the money, the children would be allowed to change his wishes and give it to another recipient. If it only placed the money in a trust, they would not be permitted to do so. Okay, nope. so that's actually I won't say it. Relevant. What? I was going to tell you a story, but it's, it's potentially... <laughs> 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 